0: Hallelujah. Well, this week we're going to start a new series uh, called The Royal Treatment. Amen. And as you can tell by looking maybe at the graphic up there, uh, we're talking about, when we're talking about treatment, how many of you know somebody if they have a sickness in their body, you know, various types of sickness, they'll send you to the hospital and they'll diagnose the disease and they'll say, well, we're going to give you this type of treatment. Amen. Or how many of y'all know that our king has a, a, a health plan a health and healing plan, and God, our King has that, and He wants to put us on His treatment plan. You understand this, that we're not against doctors, and one of the things we'll cover over the course of this series that we're going to be looking at is that, you know, don't think all healing comes from God. If there's any scientific medical discovery that is beneficial and brings about healing, well, where do we think that came from? Amen? That came from God. So we're not saying that we're against that. But you need to understand, we need to get our faith to the point that when something pops up, that <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> that our first reaction is not to run to the doctor. That our first reaction needs to be, well, I'm going to speak the Word. Because remember, last week we finished up the series on the mountain relocation project. And we were talking about... Here's, here's your little review question. We'll give out suckers for whoever gets it right, amen, like we do the kids' and children's shirts. Who can remember what we focused on last week? What was the theme of last week's teaching on the mountain uh, re, uh, relocation project? On faith. Faith has to be released. Amen? Faith has to be released. One of the things that we mentioned that was on your study sheet that we gave you was unreleased faith is dead faith. It's it's the equivalent of dead faith because remember James over in James it says faith without works is dead and that we understand that word works means a, a corresponding action in other words you say you have a belief or a conviction or a firm persuasion about something it's going to be released somehow in in it's going to in your thinking in your speaking and in your behavior and we said that the, the really the most uh, the the first way the first Observable way that faith is released is by what we speak. Now, if we're not going to go back and, and teach specifically on the subject of, of faith, but but you need to understand this is, is that God wants us that we, because you understand this, you don't need to be healed if you're never going to have sickness in your body. Amen. Some people have erroneously taught, oh well, you know if you're you know, if you're walking in faith, you're never going to be sick. Well, you don't need a healer if you don't have attacks in your body, right? Yeah. So. We want to take a look at, um, I just want to take you to some places real quick. We're talking about royal, the royal treatment. Malachi chapter one. Just want to establish some things. I want, and I want to give you scripture. Amen. I want you to be like the Bereans. I want you to have the scripture. I want you to have the word. I want you to be able to look at the word and know this thing. Know why do I believe what I believe? What scriptures do I have that causes me to have that belief? And I'm going to drive this into you. Anybody I get to speak to, anybody I have the privilege of teaching, I'm going to tell you this. You better have word for what you say you believe, because if you don't, you don't have any legitimate grounds for faith, and the devil will work you over, man. I mean, he'll clean your plow, and you'll, the whole time you go, well, that, you know, and then it gives opportunity for someone to say, well, maybe that faith stuff don't work. Well, maybe you weren't in faith at all, because if you don't have the Scripture, if you don't have the Word rightly divided for what you say you believe, then you don't have any grounds for it. It's not legitimate faith. So you have to know. And So Malachi chapter 1, verse 14, and, and this is talking about, you know, the Lord is speaking through the prophet, and he's telling the people, at this time people have become, uh, at a time really a lot like what we see in America today, is that people's... Uh, devotion to God has become lax. Uh, People don't, you know, they, they don't take seriously their commitment to God and even to the point of their worship that when they go to the temple, you know, God said, you bring me the best. Boy, you could preach a sermon on that, couldn't you? Boy, you could preach a sermon where God said, bring me your best. God didn't say, bring me your leftovers. God didn't say, give me your scraps. God said, give me your best. And so the people had got to the point where they were bringing their sacrifices and, you know, where you know they, they would go out and uh, they'd look at their flock and they'd say, well, I know that God wants the best. The, the temple, you know, the law says I'm supposed to bring my best. But you know what? I've got this uh, little lamb over here. That one, you know, it's got a gimp leg or it's, you know, it's got a bad eye or something like that. I don't want to take my best. I'm going to take the thing that I wouldn't want that I don't mind giving up. Oh, man, you could preach on that. Because it's not a sacrifice, David said I, that he wouldn't take anything to the Lord that he didn't, that he didn't have to pay for. When the guy, offered, when, the, when the angel came and had brought judgment on Israel for David having the census, and he stopped at the threshing floor, and the guy just wanted to give it to King David, and David said, "No, I'll buy it because I'll not dedicate anything to the Lord. That I didn't. It didn't cost me something." Amen. And you can preach. But the people had been bringing these uh, li- these lame sacrifices, this just leftover scraps of their life. You know, they pretty much tell me if it sounds familiar. They're doing their own thing, and when they got a little spare time, they'll make a little time for God. But other than that, you know, uh, you know, I'm just they don't take it serious. And so uh, the the prophet is speaking to them, and uh, he says, verse fourteen, he says, "But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male." And takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is a blemish. In other words, God says, "But there's a curse on someone who says there's a there's a male uh, in in his flock that's spotless, that's blemished." And he says, "You know what? I'm going to make that as my sacrifice to the Lord." And it says, uh, and then uh, he, he says, and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what's blemished. In other words, he begins like, "You know what? That's the best one I got." I'm going to hold on to that, and I'm going to give this blemished one to God. And God says, For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. So what I want to establish here is God says, I am a great king. Amen? If we serve a king, we are in a kingdom. And you understand this? Our first allegiance belongs to our king. You You can't have divided allegiances. Our first allegiance has to be, to Jesus Christ, our king. God said he was a king. Jesus, when he stood before Pilate, Pilate said, are you a king? And Jesus said, you speak correctly. I am a king. So he's a king, and we live in his kingdom. Amen? And, and Ecclesiastes 8.4, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to put you in remembrance of this. It says, where the word of the king is, there is power. Right? Now, you understand that that's talking about even, there's parallels between earthly kings and our heavenly king. So if the word of an earthly king carries power, how much more our king, the one who created the universe. So God is a great king, his word has power. And So this evening, I want us to take a look at, uh, we're going to take a look at a few key texts that we're going to be referring to, that we'll be looking at throughout the course of this. I want you to turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4, starting with verse 20. My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, do not let them depart from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Amen. You understand? This is saying here that God's word is, is life to those who find it and health to To all their flesh. Amen? Psalms 107.20. Psalm 107.20 says, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Amen? So we've seen so far the Word is life and health to all your flesh. The word, God sent His word and healed them. And finally, the last key text we want to look at is John chapter, the Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 14. Amen. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the word? Aren't you glad God said that my word, those who, their life to those who find them, Aren't you glad that the Bible, you will never exhaust the amount of revelation that there is to be revealed in God's Word? And we should be so hungry and so thirsty. It's so funny, when we were down in St. Augustine for the seven-year celebration, there's a particular, you know, it's funny, you might say, well, Pastor, why are you talking about a beer commercial? There's a particular beer commercial. How many of you all seen that commercial, the Dos Equis? Dos Equis. Uh, beer commercial. It's the one that's got the, got the older, gentleman with, older distinguished gentleman with a beard. He said, he is the most interesting man in the world. You remember that one? And remember what he says at the end? He says, stay thirsty, my friend. And I was just thinking as we were going through those services, 15 consecutive days of services, and I was able to make about 12 of them, I think. I was able to make about 12 of them and just kept thinking in my spirit. I kept hearing, stay thirsty, stay thirsty, stay thirsty, stay thirsty. It's been six, seven days. Stay thirsty. People were still coming. People were still hungry. Ten days, stay thirsty. Twelve days into it, stay thirsty. Fourteen days, it stay thirsty. Stay thirsty. Why? Because you're never going to exhaust the revelation that God has in His Word. Amen. And this is the thing: the only people that are going to be filled, the Bible says, says, you know, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. And if you don't hunger and thirst for it, guess what? You'll not be filled. How many of you heard the old saying? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink amen how many of you know man we got we're praying we're believing god that the holy ghost is going to draw people in here because there's people in this town i'm going to tell you what i would i would go as far as i would i'd would wager you there's not one or two other churches in the town that teach the word the way this amen. church does amen. maybe not another church in the town that teaches the word like this church does amen. and it's right here and it's a spring of life and there's still so many people that they don't realize it's here and that's why if we're getting out we're witnessing Amen? There's a season of evangelism and we're praying that the Holy Spirit begin to draw people and prepare people's hearts. But you know what? We have to stay thirsty. We have to stay thirsty for revelation of God's Word. We have to stay hungry for it. And this thing don't think, oh, well, I've heard that. This, that right there will absolutely destroy your ability to receive from God is the I've already heard that attitude. Amen? And so this is the thing. God's Word is life to those who find it can you Can you look back in your life now can you look back and see examples in your life now where you're walking in light of the word that you have received that maybe fifteen years ago you didn't have and there was and there was spiritual death manifesting in your life? Maybe it was relationships. It was repeated broken relationships. Maybe it was you could you know. Maybe it was failed marriages. Maybe it was uh, failed friendships. Maybe it was broken relationships with children. And you and you look back and you look at stuff now that you've learned and you've received fresh light and fresh revelation and things. And it's and the word has brought light and life. Into your life because you've begun to apply it. You've begun to begun to be a doer of the word. And when you do that word and you apply the word, it's changing stuff in your life. You're not going. You you're not taking another trip around the mountain. Amen. Amen. Like the children of Israel, Yep, up oh, forty years. Take another lap around the mountain, right? You're learning stuff, and the words bring about change. You understand this? The word brings life and its health to all your flesh. Amen. Amen. You understand this? If you get the same things that you got. Uh, ten years ago doesn't mean they don't attack your body anymore, but it means instead of being laid out flat on your back for three days, maybe it gets you down for an afternoon. Amen. Maybe it gets you down. Maybe it gets you down the afternoon and through the night, and you're meditating on the word. You're speaking the word. Amen. Don't just lay down. Don't go. For, I, I'll challenge you. Don't go for the medicine bottle first. Go for the word first, because this is the thing. Your first reaction. It's just like this evening, Pastor Shania. Uh, we we got you. Know, uh, just a little bit of a, of a discouraging uh, report about something that Pastor Cheyenne was uh, was taking a look at, and and you know and I was like, oh man, that's kind of a bummer. And and when you know, we were like, I just come, and she's like, yes, yeah, she said, but God will cause it to work to my good. And I said, Amen, Amen. I said, that's right. I said, God causes all things. So it's you know, catch yourself, pull yourself back over, instead go, you know, instead of just going for the medicine bottle first, this is the thing. Man, speak the word. I'm not saying don't go for the medicine uh, bottle. But speak the Word and be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Because sometimes the Holy Ghost might say, you know what, you might speak the Word and the Holy Ghost might say, uh, just hold off on that. Just you know, just wait a little bit. And you, and, you hear the, and you hear His voice and you're obedient to it. And the next thing you know, those symptoms are gone within 15, 20 minutes. And you're like, whoo, hallelujah. Praise God. Train yourself to, be, to, to hear the Holy Ghost. I did a series you know, a year or two ago on how to be led by the Holy Ghost. And the, and the, and the, and the, and the most frequent way that He will speak to you is that inner witness. Amen. He'll lead you by that inner witness. It's not always going to be an audible voice. It's not going to be someone saying, thus saith the Lord. But it'll be an inner witness that when you give yourself to hear. Remember Jesus said, to let them who have ears to hear, hear. Huh? You have, to have, you have to have your spiritual ears in tune to hear what the Holy Ghost says. But His words are health to your flesh. Amen? And, and so He sent His word and healed them. So Proverbs is talking about the word being health to all your flesh. Psalms says He sent His word and healed him. And then we look right over in John chapter 1 and it's talking about Jesus. The word became flesh. That's who it's talking about, right? Jesus, right? So Jesus is the personification. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is, so if the Word speaks healing, if the Word is, is life and health to all your flesh, if the Word gets sent and heals them and redeems them from all their destructions, then guess what? All of that's made available to us through Jesus Christ, amen, and the, and the covenant that we have and what our King is established. And so we want to take a look this uh, this evening Take uh, to start out with on this subject. Um healing God's will. Um you know, there was a story in the New Testament about where a certain leper came to Jesus. And the leper asked Jesus, he said, he said Lord, he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And um, that, that is what hangs most people up, is, is Jesus' willingness to heal. You know, most people, most believers even, if you ask them, you know, do you, believe, do you believe that God can heal? Oh, yeah, I believe God can do anything. Well, how, how many of you all know that knowing that God's able to do something but not knowing if He's willing to do it yields the same results as not even believing God can do something? It really does because you're not going to. Pay. You can only obtain the promises. You can only obtain what you are convinced God's willing to give you. And here, this leper came to Jesus and he said, "Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean." Didn't question Jesus' ability, question His willingness whether to do it. And the truth be known, most people, most believers, that's the boat that they they find themselves in now because they've had bad teaching. They've had, uh, you know, uh, either they've had they've not had any teaching. Or they've had bad teaching. They say, well, you know, sometimes God will make you sick to teach you something. That's hogwash. Okay? if We're going to take a look at something. We want to look what was... You know, we keep going back to Genesis. Because we see in Genesis there, just for those few chapters, we see what God's original intention was for man. We keep going back to it. Remember, Pastor Earl says, if Adam hadn't ate the fruit, where would he be? He'd be on the earth, in the garden still, because that was the original intention so if we want to see what it you know, that for that small section in the Bible, those what was it? Was it three chapters, four chapters, first three, four chapters of, of Genesis, we see the earth it operating in the original intention that God had it. Amen? And and open your Bibles up to Genesis chapter one. We want to establish some things. I'm not I, I just want you to um, you've got this uh, note on your study sheet there. I'm not going to read all 31 verses, uh, or all those 30 verses in Genesis, but I do want to hit some spots for you real quick. I'm going to read verse 9, Genesis 1-9 says, Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters He called seas. And God saw that it was good amen skip on over to verse 12 down to verse 12 says and the earth brought forth grass and herb that yields seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit and the seed in itself according to its kind and god saw that it was good amen verse 18 or verse 17 start verse 17 and god set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and god saw that it was good amen we're starting to see a pattern here aren't we amen verse 21 so god created the great sea creatures every living thing that moves uh with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind and god saw that it was all right let's take the place let's take a look uh, verse 25, And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on uh, on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. good. Verse 31, Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was good. Eh. Very good. Oh, I knew I was going to get you. I knew I was going to get you. I thought, I'm going to get Cindy. Praise God. She's going to be going, good, good, goodness. But the last one was very good. So God created the earth, created everything on the earth and when god looked at his creation god said it's good amen I, and, and it's like this you know I, this is that little phrase that i like to tell people all the time if you remember this this will keep your theology straight on a lot of things remember john ten ten. the thief comes but to steal kill and destroy i have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly i said this little phrase right here will keep your theology straight good god bad devil Okay, that I mean, you can go, you can go spend a whole lot of money on at seminaries and spend a whole lot of money studying the word, and you can get you can get messed up. I've known people that had friends go to seminary, and they went in, and they went in on fire for God, and went to seminary and backslid because they went to some dead denominational seminary that went to you know, go on to tell them to destroy their faith in the in the Bible being God's word and uh, talk about how. You know, just just absolutely sort of faith and they come out you know, and they still go and and this is the thing they're still going on into the ministry but they don't have any faith in God's word because they're because they've been taught all kinds of, of junk doctrine but you know what this will this will help your Bible and this is one of the most useful uh, phrases that will help you with your Bible interpretation good God, bad devil amen And so you understand this is the, is that God created all things good okay? Um, the Bible even says in James 1.17, says, Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Amen? We understand this. <coughs> Excuse me. Did God make any bad stuff? Did God make anything on the earth that He looked at and said, Man, that's bad. No. Did God make cancer or AIDS on the eighth day? No. Amen? Everything that God made was good. Well, we want you to see this. Psalm 41.8. You don't have to turn there. You can write this down. You can go back and look at it. Psalm 41.8 says, Sickness is an evil thing. Amen? Can we? Let's just put it to this criteria. Let's go to the John 10.10 10 litmus test. Uh, scriptural litmus test. Right? Does sickness steal? It'll steal your time. It'll steal your, your time that you're able to, to work or time you're able to spend in your family, time you're able to sow to the kingdom of God. Right? Can it kill... Oh, yeah, there's, the graveyard's full of people who has been killed by disease. Uh, uh, can it destroy? That's destroyed entire, there's, you know, there's stories of entire uh, tribes and entire civilizations. Here in, here in North America, the history of North America, they said that, uh, that, sickness, uh, that sickness and disease destroyed more Native Americans almost than what firearms did and wars did because they had no immunity whatsoever to the diseases that the Europeans brought over. So, we can see this sickness steals, kills, and destroys. So, where do we think that came from? The devil, that's right, amen? And so, understand this. In the beginning, we're looking at God's original intention. He created man in his likeness, in his image. God gave man what we call the dominion commission when God said, I've given you the right to rule over all the works of my hand. Have dominion over it, subdue it, rule over it. And this is the thing, Adam and Eve, they were not sick. I believe, I believe they were probably the, the best examples of human health and fitness that there was. Amen? I don't think yeah you know, I don't think Adam had any love handles amen. <laughs> I believe that he was a physical specimen. I believe that they were the ideal uh, human specimens. They were without sickness they were out with they were without disease. they walked in they walked in God's health. Amen. Um, and you understand this the people that teach, now think about this, there are people who teach and who believe, God uses sickness. How many of you have heard people say, well, I think God just put this on me to teach me something? Okay? I'll say this, and I've said this before. As a matter of fact, I just referenced this scripture when I was sharing a little bit about the, you know, the bad report that me and Pastor Cheyenne got. But the Bible does say, in Romans it says, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love and serve Him and are called according to His purpose. Now there's some qualifiers there. This is the thing: if you don't love him, and how do how do we know we love him? You keep his commandments. It's not that you have a sentimental feeling. My God, people need to get a hold of that. Just because you got you got sentimental feelings about a man named Jesus, just because you tear up when they sing "I'll cling to the old rugged cross," which you ought not do, by the way, because Jesus ain't on the cross. <laughs> Amen. You need to listen what Pastor You need to listen what Pastor Earl taught uh, preached on Sunday morning. He said, the church has done a bad job of leading people to the old rugged cross and leaving them there, and Jesus is sitting on the throne. He's in the heavenly places, seated at the right hand of God, and you're taking them someplace that he ain't. The cross was his assignment, right? But people can get all misty-eyed, singing about the old rugged cross and have all kinds of sentiment and have all kinds of emotion well up and get all teared up about it, and that doesn't mean you love him. Huh? You love him if you keep his commands. God can cause all things to work together for those who love him and serve him, and who are called according to His purpose, right? So this is the thing. Can someone lo- legitimately love God, and serve Him, and be called according to His purpose, and be attacked with sickness and disease, get healed from it, but God still take the whole experience and use it and work it to their good. Amen? Yes, He can. And can He get glory out of it? Yes, He can. Amen? But you understand, He didn't put the sickness on them. That would be like me saying, uh, you know, what would we think of a parent that um, you know shoved their child out a second-story window and broke their arm and then rushed them to the hospital? And someone would go, "Oh, you're such a good parent. You're such a good caring parent. You you rushed them here and you're waiting on your child hand and foot." And you go, Wait a minute, the person, that's child abuse, right? You do something to bring injury or harm upon your child and then just want to rush them to the hospital to get you know get kudos or whatever. You know, that's it's still child abuse. But people will accuse God of that. People will accuse God of letting some sickness or disease come on them, God putting something on them to teach them something. But you understand this? If God if God, uh, put sickness and disease on people to teach them something, don't you think He'd have put sickness and disease on Adam and Eve and taught them so that they wouldn't have ate that fruit and we wouldn't be in this mess right now? Amen? The world wouldn't be in the mess it's in right now. you understand this? <coughs> is that God teaches... This is the thing, like I said, it's so good because you go right back to Genesis and you look and you see how God, how His intention was for things to run. How did God teach Adam and Eve? He instructed them with His Word. He instructed them with His Word. He gave His Word to Adam. He told them what to do. So God didn't use uh, sickness and, and disease. Turn to, uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if God didn't create it, He, doesn't, uh, he does not put it on people to teach them stuff and you know people people will get all they'll get all upset man they'll get up in arms wanting to argue with you you know oh y'all teach y'all believe in that healing y'all believes god's will here and you know people will actually i heard my pastor say it one time people will actually get up in arms and be willing to fight you for their right to be sick they will man you get you get talking to some religious people and you want to start sharing with them about healing and how god's desire is is for you to be healed amen and i encourage you man, take that list of 101 and and 101 things god says about health and healing and just know this that's not even an exhaustive list amen that's not even an exhaustive list we just want to make that. I just want to make that available to you, so you've got a quick reference for healing scriptures. It wouldn't uh, do you any harm. Keep that over on your uh, on your vanity of the morning, or you know, as you're getting ready in the morning. Pick it up and just read it out loud. Li- you know, read out loud. Uh, find a couple of scriptures and, and, you know, confess those over you. And thank you, Lord God, you know, uh, that you'll fulfill the days of my life. There will not be any plague. You know, I, I pray with Clay when I drop him off school. I say, thank you, Lord. Just you give your angels charge over him to watch over him protect him. Thank you, Lord God. No plague comes near him in Jesus' name. Amen. Find you some scriptures, though. But there's people that will actually get hostile, want to argue with you about their right to be sick. They'll do it now. If, you, if you've if you not met him, man, I'm going to tell you what. You, yeah. And they'll tell you that you're in false doctrine to believe that it's God's will to heal everybody. What about my Uncle Bobby that died? Well, I don't know your Uncle Bobby. Remember Brother Hagin shared a story one time when we were at Raymond. He said this Raymond, stu- he was teaching on healing in the cl- one of the classes. And he left the class and this one student followed him out the door. Now, I can't remember what he said his uncle's name was. And he said, well, now Brother Hagin, he said... I I pray he said, Can I talk to you? And Brother Hagin said, If you can walk and talk at the same time you can talk to him because Brother Hagin, yeah, you know, he's he's walking ahead next class to get to. And the guy said, Well, I want to know why my uncle such and such died. Brother Hagen said, Well Lord, I don't even know your uncle such and such. And he said, he said I prayed for him. He, he got sick and I prayed for him that he'd be healed. He said and he died. And I want to know what happened. He said he said, Well let me ask you, he said, What was your uncle believing God for? Oh, well, he said he was tired and he just wanted to go ahead and go on home to be with the Lord. And Brother Hagin said, whoo! So it sounds like that faith stuff works because he got exactly what he wanted. Amen. Amen. Amen? But you understand this. You know, some people say, well, why didn't, you know, I you don't believe in the, that, that healing stuff. Why didn't it work for such? A...? Well, you don't know what such and such was believing for. You don't know what they were believing for. And I'll say this, and you know, this is the thing. I'll, I'll, you, we don't. You don't need to condemn anybody that died sooner than what they, what they could have lived, because you just don't know what that person. You don't know what that person went through. You don't know what they had endured. You can say this if they believed God and they walked it and, and they and they had and they walked in faith. They could have changed their circumstances. But this is the thing. You just don't know, man. Those people, you don't know what they've been through. And there comes a point where some people, man, they just get they get tired. It says, with long life, I'll, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Well, when are you satisfied? Some people, it might be 75 years. Some people, might be 85 years. Some people, it might be 95. Some people might want to go ahead and say, God, I'm sticking out and hanging out to my whole 120. Amen? But you understand this. you You can't. You can't uh, judge other people. You just worry about you. Amen? I figured, found out that if we just take care of ourselves, amen, we're doing okay. Um, over there on your study sheet, though, before we get too far ahead, in the beginning, God, everything God made was good. Amen? And then uh, sickness is an evil thing. And the third one was um, God does not teach us by putting sickness or calamity on us. He teaches us by His Word. Amen? We won't get that before we forget. Amen. But anyway, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse 50. I hope I got the right scripture in It says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruptible and this mortal must put on immortality so when the corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal is put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where is your sting O Hades where is your victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ amen and so death which is the eventual is the eventual end of sickness and disease it's an enemy the Bible says it's in me. This is the thing. Don't make the mistake of thinking that God has to, that you have to die for the plan of redemption to be fulfilled in your life. Amen. God does not you understand death is not of God. God never created man, intended man for man to die. Amen. And God and you understand death is a consequence of sin, so it doesn't make sense for people to say, Well, when I die, then I'll step on into my full redemption. Now you understand when you die you're going to go to be with the Lord but don't limit what God can what the plan of redemption and what the Holy Spirit can do in your life thinking that you had to kick the bucket that your that your dirt bag your earth suit the dirt bag that you live in amen that that earth suit that you live in has to die yes there's going to be more after that but, it does, but God doesn't have to have death. Does, death doesn't have to couple up with anything God's got to do to work out the plan of redemption in your life, to bring about the fullness of what God wants to do in your life. Amen? It's an enemy. If God's not working. God, you understand this? God doesn't uh, partner up with the devil. God does not use sickness and disease. You understand this? I've heard, you know, heard it said so many times. God doesn't, use, God doesn't have any sickness and disease. He'd have to go to the devil to get it. And how many of you think that God's working with the devil? I don't believe that for a minute. Amen? So we can be sure of healing. The Bible says we can be sure of healing. And and, and we understand this is that I've said this before. A lot of people get bent out of shape. A lot of of traditional believers get bent out of shape when they'll hear you say, Well, you know, uh, we're going to reign on the earth as kings and priests. The earth is man. How many of you all, since we have been starting to talk more about the the kingdom of heaven, really what it means, and you've shared maybe with someone, well, you know, we're not going to be in heaven forever, and they start looking at you like you're some crazy heretic. Amen. You're a heretic. What do you mean we're not going to die and go to heaven and be be in heaven forever? Well, if they just read their Bible, dear Lord, I mean, it's not that's not even anything you got to read in between the lines. Uh, to get you just go to revelations and you I mean peter said that the earth was going to be destroyed there'd be a new heaven and a new earth right well what do you need a new earth for if nobody's going to live on it right duh and this thing in revelations it just says it plainly the new jerusalem that you hear all, and, and you know i grew up listening to southern gospel music and man they you know they'd sing about the gold city, so they'd sing about the streets of gold and the walls of jasper and the gates of pearl and they'd sing all about that stuff and they sang about and they talked about it like it was heaven. But your Bible says that the new Jerusalem comes down from God out of heaven to the new earth, right? And so we've said that we want to look at the, the beginning in Genesis because that is where we see that glimpse of God's original intention. And I'll say this, is that the plan of redemption, and this is going to sound controversial, and some of you just stay with me, and think about it, and and see law, you know, pause and think about this. The plan of redemption, if it did anything short of putting man back in the position on earth, of reigning on earth and carrying out God's will on the earth as it was in heaven, just like it was in the beginning, if God doesn't get it back in the end like the way it was in the beginning, the plan of redemption is a flat failure. Right, because if he can't get it back to where it was in the beginning before sin entered in and and just and just messed the whole thing up, he can't. If he can't get it back there, then the devil successfully thwarted God's plan. Because if God can't get it back to the original intention that He wanted it to be, then Satan pulled you know it's score one devil zero God, right? So we know that that's not going to be the case. Well, if we look at and we look in Revelations and. Uh, you know, Revelations 21, you can go there and read this. Revelation it talks about that John saw the city. He said he saw the city coming down from God out of heaven. He said there was no more pain. There was no more tears. Amen. How many you know there's not going to be any more sickness? So you understand that God's original intention in the beginning was there's no sickness, there's no, there's no disease. At the end of this thing, when when, at, when the kingdom is fully established upon the earth, there's not going to be more sickness and disease Period. So you're not even going to need a healer because there's not going to be sickness and disease to be healed up. So for the time between the garden and the, and the new earth, we need a healer, right? Amen? And so understand this. Matthew chapter 6. We've seen this so many times. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. There is so much, man, I'm telling you, some of you are saying, man, Pastor, we've wore, these, we've wore these scriptures out. We've wore Genesis out. We've wore Matthew chapter 6 out. But I'm telling you, I'm seeing stuff in it now that, that um, you know, I'll be 40 in May. My 40th birthday is in May. Hallelujah, I know it's hard to believe. Ain't I? I look so young and dashing. Amen. It's hard to believe I'll be 40 in May. Praise God. But you understand, I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been preaching since I was 21. I've been preaching for 19 years. And can't remember a time in my life that I wasn't in church. Grew up in, my daddy was a bivocational minister. And so there was lots of, ta- there was always talking about the word going on in my house. But, so I've been in this for a long time, and I'm still seeing stuff in scriptures. This is the thing, when you start, when familiarity breeds contempt. And when you start, this is the thing, if you ever catch yourself reading your Bible and you're going, yeah, blah, 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 and just thumbing through to get through quick? Even like in your devotional, your daily devotional reading, uh, okay, that ought to set some stuff off and let you know. Okay, wait a minute. I'm I'm being I'm taking the word with contempt because I'm just blowing through it. I'm just not esteeming it. But uh, Jesus's pattern for prayer, Amen. He, they, his disciples asked us how to pray. Now, what? This is the thing. This is it sounds kind of elementary, okay, but. When we pray, what are we doing? We're, we're talking to God? Really, it's just I can talk to Cindy and have a conversation with Cindy. And I, and and and, uh, and you understand that Cindy's not God, obviously, right? Cindy's good, but Cindy's not God, right? Amen. Sometimes she might think she's... No, I'm kidding. I was just joking. Amen. But you understand why I talk to Cindy. I don't go, oh, Cindy, thou art so wonderful. I don't speak King James English to Cindy. (laughs) Thou art, you know, okay? You don't do that. But I have a conversation. And so my conversation with her can take several, uh, it, it can go several directions. I can be expressing appreciation and thanks to her. I can be asking her a question. And this is the thing. Let me ask you something. How many of y'all have ever prayed and asked God a question? Okay. How many of y'all, you ask someone a question and you keep on talking don't give them a chance to answer? <laughs> duh. I mean, everybody's going, duh, right? <laughs> okay. What's your point, Pastor Brian? My point is, is, if you would ask a person a question and then pause to listen to give them time to answer you, Why, when we're asking God questions, do we just keep on blah 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 blah? Go, oh yeah, and you know, thank you, God, Amen. Either, either we don't expect Him to answer us, or we're afraid of the answer, right? But when we're praying, you know, it can be Thanksgiving. There's all kinds of different prayers. And it it would do us good. There's lots of good teaching available out there about the different types of prayer, and you got to know what you're doing. You know, understand this? You know, you not. There is only one prayer that it's ever appropriate to say, God, if it's your will. Yeah, that was when Jesus was praying for. Some people go, oh, well, now Jesus said, oh, Father, if it's your will. Well, it's because Jesus. You know, he was praying that prayer of submission to God's will, but the rest of the time you never heard, not once did you ever see Jesus lay hands on somebody sick and say, Father, if it's your will, heal them. Right. Did you? You show me. I've never seen it one time in Scripture. There's one time Jesus did, it and it was a prayer of submission to the Father's will. Right? So, there's different types of prayer. There's types of, there's prayers of petition, there's prayers of thanksgiving, there's prayers of, of asking God questions. But when we're praying, we're talking to God and we're asking God to intervene on the earth, right? So, most of the time, it's something affecting our lives. Amen? We ought to be bigger than that, really. I'm going to tell you this, this is one of the most powerful statements I ever heard. I thought, my God, I've never thought about it before, but Lord, that is dead on. I heard a lady, her name is Patsy Caminetti. She's real uh, well-known in, in uh, Word of Faith circles, but she was teaching on prayer one time. She said, one of the reasons you need to spend so much time praying in the Holy Ghost is, she said, too many people allow the devil to dictate their prayer life. And she said, and everybody, you could just, she could, you just hear, what do you mean, in the crowd. They pr- think about it. If you're praying about this person in your family got sick, you got this bill that needs to pay, you got sickness, you got some uh, financial lack coming, you got this, that, and the other going on. And if all your prayers consist of is, a dre- is you know, run around putting out fires, you're, you're praying to run around put, put out fires that are going on in your life. And so the devil knows all he's got to do to steer your prayer life is attack you here, attack you there, attack you here, attack you there, and you're just running around putting out fires. And so you're allowing the circumstances the devil brings into your life to dictate your prayer life, where if you'd spend more time praying in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost would direct your prayer life. And a lot of those little fires the devil's building to keep you distracted, you could just cut those things off at the past before they even happen. Because the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost knows the junk the devil's going to try to throw at you next month, right now. And if we just yield and spend more time praying and asking God to deal with it, amen. That's, uh, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be teaching on prayer. Let's get back, okay, amen, to the Lord's <laughs> Prayer. About healing, talking about healing. Amen. Jesus, we, we read this, Jesus said, You yeah, are Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Well, is anyone sick in heaven? Are there any handicapped parking places in heaven? No, because nobody's, nobody's handicapped. Nobody's sick. There's no sickness. There's no <laughs> disease. That wasn't a dig. You know what I'm saying. Amen. She's good. She knows what I'm talking about because there's not, there's not any need for it, right? There's not any need for it. And so we're praying, God, your will be done on earth. Well, there's no sickness. And so that's just yet another verse that reinforces to us that it's appropriate that the healing is God's will. He wants, he wants us to have a quality of life on the earth. I mean, you understand this, is that no, as long as we're in the world, we're going to have obstacles to overcome. You're never going to have a, a lack of an opportunity to walk in faith and have to believe God, right? As long as you're in the earth, amen? But you understand that if we can't can pray, so uh, real quickly... We understand this. Um, it, sickness is not in heaven. It's not. It wasn't God's will in the ori- in the original intent. It wasn't that way. I want to give you some uh, verses real quick to look at um, to uh, establish. You know, we already know we've talked about this. but We want to establish firmly where sickness come from. Amen. Um, we already mentioned this. John ten ten. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. So we've established already sickness and disease. It steals, it kills in people's life, it destroys. Um, Romans five twelve. Romans five twelve says therefore just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin. And thus, death spread to all men because of all sin. Amen? You understand, we're talking about what is the source of sickness and disease. Well, we've already established it, it was the devil, but you understand sin is of the devil, right? Um, so, sin, through sin, uh, death entered the world, and sickness and, disease is, is, sickness and disease came in with death. So, sickness and disease are, are uh, the result of sin. Um, Real quick, Job two seven. How many of y'all have heard people? You know, people go to Job all the time. Man, I'm telling you, folks will go to Job and they will pull Job out and they will try to beat you over the head to convince you um, that it is that God. You know, God will put uh, bad stuff on you to teach you stuff. Job 2, 7. Someone read that for me. Before, no, no, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute that's, that, you said, that, doesn't it say God went out and sm- no. wait It says, wait a minute, Read one more time. Satan the the then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smoked Job. Well, let me ask you a question. If that's right there in the Bible, that Satan went out from the prison and smoked Job, how come so many people think that God smoked Job? How come you've got people that will fight you tooth and toenail telling you, well, now you know God put sickness and disease. God did this and God smoked Job and God put all this stuff on him and blah, 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 blah. And, God, and the Bible doesn't say that at all. It says, it says that the devil went out. And don't make the mistake of thinking that because somebody... Well, some and some people get all. They want to try to get all brainy on you and go, "Oh, well, isn't God allowing something to happen the same as uh, God doing it?" Um, no. Yeah, Satan had to leave the presence of the Lord to do it. So you understand this? Is that um, you know, God God allowed that to happen, but you understand that where did Job live? On the earth, who did God give dominion over the earth to? Adam, and who did Adam give it to? Hmm. Yeah, here's your sign. That's good, Rosalie. Sister Rosalie. Amen. Just a couple more verses, real quick. Luke chapter 13. We're going to look at Luke chapter 13. What we're doing is we're giving you just a few verses, just a few, to firmly establish. Um, who the source of sickness and disease. And I really wanted to give you that one in Job because, like I said, that's like the the religious person's trophy, the poster child of why God makes people sick that really God didn't have nothing to do with it. Um, But Luke 13, I'm going to start with verse uh, 15. Well, now let's back up. Verse 10. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bent over and, and could in no way raise herself up. Notice it said there was a spirit of infirmity. I'm going to say this. I'm going to keep going because I'm not teaching on on sickness and disease. Sometimes sickness and disease um, is just a result of of things in the body. Sometimes there is a spirit of infirmity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you're loosed of your infirmity. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. The nerve of Jesus. Now, can you see this? Can you imagine the absolute gall of someone? here somebody. She'd been going there what, 18 years? She'd been going there for 18 years and they couldn't get her healed. And Jesus gets her healed on the Sabbath and the religious leaders of the synagogue get all bent out of shape at Jesus instead of saying, Oh, thank you, Jesus. What a great and wonderful miracle God has performed through you because for 18 years we couldn't do nothing to help this woman. Instead of doing that, they took exception with Jesus. They started griping at Him said, uh, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. And I'm wondering, how many of the weekdays did she come to your synagogue and you didn't get her healed? Did you even try? And Jesus answered and said, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom God has bound, think of it... Oh, oh wait, did I read that wrong? I'm glad you got it. It says, Satan... Whom Satan has bound, for think think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. But the, you know, the way I read that, a lot of people, they, they might read it and might say Satan, but in their mind it's, it's clicking, God did it, God let her be sick. No, Satan smote Job, Satan bound this woman for 18 years. We're going to look at one more verse real quick, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, I'm going to start with verse 34. This is Peter preaching to Cornelius. It says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed through all uh, Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with power, with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with Him. Jesus went about doing... Now, this is going back to where we started this evening in Genesis. God saw everything He created and He said it was good. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Amen? So we've seen from the beginning, God's will was for man to have healing, to walk in health, and ha- and enjoy health from God. We have found out who the source of it is. The the sickness and disease was a result of sin. It's it's something that Satan produced. And I and I'm gonna say this before we. I just ask you a couple of questions. Um. Yeah. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and fill in the sheet real quick. The word. Uh, there's a typo on there. There's one that should have been uh, deleted. We'll skip that runner, right Job. The devil, uh, Satan smote Job, not God. That next one um, is, a, is a typo that should have been removed. Uh, but the next one says, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power who went about uh, doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. No, it doesn't need to be there. There's a typo. Okay? So, I want to ask you this. The Bible says that Jesus went about uh, whom God anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. How many people in here has God uh, has been anointed with the Holy Ghost? Amen. And did not Jesus say? He said, "You'll receive what after the Holy Spirit's come upon you, power." So I submit this to you that we as believers. If we're born again, spirit-filled believers, we are anointed with the same Holy Ghost and power that Jesus is. Sister Rosalie had to walk in some faith last week, and I just prayed with her, and I encouraged her. I said, you go lay hands on her, and you pray. You speak your faith. You're a believer. Lay hands on her. And this thing, don't be moved. And there's been times you had to not look at what you could see, but look at the unseen because you knew you released your faith. And this thing, so what? Okay, it took a couple of days. So what? Huh? She went home today and the doctor, well, she was in the hospital. Yeah, but she could have been in the hospital a whole lot longer if she didn't have a believing mama that went in and acted on the Word and it was that was anointed with a Holy Ghost and power to go in and to speak to something, to speak to her body and command healing to begin to take place in the body. Amen? So this is the thing. We need to be more anxious about doing it because this is the thing. If Jesus was a man anointed by the Holy Ghost... And what He did, He did, the Bible says, can we deduct from this verse that the reason Jesus was able to do good and heal people was because of the anointing. Did Jesus not say that when He stood up and He read from Isaiah? He said, said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Okay? Jesus has anointed us. If Jesus did what He did because He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, can we do something because we're anointed with the Holy Spirit and power? Amen?